0: amen amen thank you so much for that testimony gradually over time things begin to change i hope you heard that because today we look at the fifth fifth healing choice which is choosing change but as we look at it i I don't want to misrepresent it as uh, a choice that's made and then you're done just choose to change and everything's fine as you heard in that testimony, sometimes it takes years to turn the ship, to really start experiencing uh, the accumulated effects of walking in a new pattern of life. And there's a reason for that. We're kind of like ships uh, with an autopilot, with an autopilot that's headed due east. And, and then we decide that life is really supposed to take us west. And, and so we gr- grab the wheel and we war with it, and gradually we get turned around going in the right direction. And if we hold it against the autopilot, we, we can keep it going west pretty well. <laughs> but, but, but we get tired, or we get distracted. We decide we'll coast for a while. We take our hands off the wheel. And everything turns due east again change is difficult and the reason it's difficult is because we have this kind of inclination that's developed through the years it's kind of like grooving a new swing i was out at the golf tournament the other day with a friend he had a brand new swing had been going to a golf professional for a while learned a whole different way to swing that club and i thought oh no this is going to be a horrible day i've i've done i've taken those lessons I've, I've tried to regroove groove a swing before. Ever done that, anybody? It's hideous. It works perfectly out at the practice range when you're there with the professional, but then, then you have to take it out for yourself and do something comp- that feels completely wrong, trusting it to be right. And, and, and usually in that first playing round, after you've gotten the new system in your mind, that new pattern you, you have to think about it just constantly. No, I'm going to take it back. Just keep that shoulder down, you know. <laughs> and and, and swing, the, swing at it too. You know, it's so, it's so easy to overthink it. But this guy actually did pretty well. He's probably the hero of our bunch. Because he stuck with it. You know, he kept re-grooving that 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 new pattern. And as he did and made some good shots... You could almost see his confidence growing through the round in the new pattern that he was executing. And, and it takes an, a confidence and a different way of reacting to life, a different way of intending to walk through life. And sometimes it feels incredibly awkward because it's so different <laughs> than heading east. Now the sun's in your face instead of at your back. There's, there's a whole different... Uh, kind of way of going about life and it's so easy to relax to let go of the wheel and usually what happens when we we become unintentional is those old patterns naturally recur they have a way of taking the momentum and the direction from us again the only way to progress and change is to practice the new pattern it takes time why does it take time it takes time because change is a process do you hear it in this verse and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed now, if, it, if there was a period there it might it might sound like it can happen all at once in the snap of a finger but it goes on and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind Scripture says that the place to start and change and to maintain that change is to get rid of our stinking thinking. To let the truth reshape our behavior by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, that you may prove it, that it may become your pattern, that you may uh, flesh it out. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, By the renewing of your mind. Why does it take so long, this change process? It it takes a long time, and if you're filling in your blanks, here comes the first one. It takes so long because it took time to conform, to develop this pattern. Most of us in recovery come to realize that we came by these patterns honest. They weren't just bad choices we got up one morning and decided to take. That there have been influences in our lives that we've cooperated with. It might be our natural biology. We have a, have a tendency passed on from our parents to react a certain way, certain uh, character traits and biological tendencies. It may be just our, our sin nature that we inherited from our parents, all the way back to Adam, that makes us naturally uh, self-centered. We've reacted and acted in, in concert and in alignment with that. It may be patterns that we caught from, well, everybody around us. Our parents, our peers, and those choices we've made. Now, most of the time, in fact, you don't even realize you're making a choice. You're like the airplane pilot that just puts it on autopilot and then never rechecks. You know, we just found ourselves responding in the same ways that we always had, coping with the same stress, the way we always had it works for a moment but it can also lead to destructive patterns this process takes time because we confuse conformity with identity well that's just the way i am that's the flavor and the color of this guy Something very helpful happens when we get into recovery and start hearing other people's stories, and in their stories, and, and looking at our own lives, and doing a, a moral inventory as we did last week. We start to identify what is us and what is things that have made us become this. Things that we thought were just the way I am, we recognize as a choice. And if it's a choice, then there must be an alternative. An alternative we've never considered because that was just me. But it's not just us. Do you know that today, researchers on the brain, neurological physiologists are discovering that for every thought and for every action, through our brains is burned a neural pathway. And if we choose to respond the same way to the same stimulus over and over again, it becomes like a rut through the brain. You don't even have to choose anymore. You just find yourself going down that same old path, and then all of a sudden, oh, how did I get here? It's the groove of that old swing. We don't even have to think about it. Sometimes this takes a long time because there's payoffs we're not really sure we want to try a new pattern in some very dysfunctional ways the old pattern works why stop being codependent when that makes everybody else think i'm wonderful wins everybody else's approval why learn to control my anger when when i get angry everybody does what i want Why quit the drinking or the overeating when it does for a moment medicate the emotional pain? There are payoffs, and so we can get stuck. Sometimes this process, change process, takes a long time because conformity has supporters. We we all live in systems—family systems, work systems. We're all part of a team in in some ways in our lives. And usually, when you start to change, it upsets the whole mobile you know and people around you don't like it what happened to the yes man i always knew when did you grow this voice shut up thank you very much you know that they they don't all respond positively so glad you're getting healed when when you get healed, they lose the perk that they used to have in your relationship. You were so codependent, all they had to do was half mention a need, and you were jumping to their rescue. Why would they want to give that up? That, that People around you don't always respond positively and with applause. After years of holding your emotions inside, and you finally found it, find a voice, somebody might wonder, well, what in the heck has gotten into her? It's not what got into her, it's what's coming out now, Finally. There are supporters of your shackles. It has been a way of coping, and you're not the only one, perhaps, who's been getting some kind of payoff from it. But I want to point out this supporter as well. His name is Satan, and he would love to have you keep believing his lies. And the moment you start to turn and get free, (laughs) don't be surprised if all hell literally breaks loose. Someone has once said, you know, you never bumped into the devil when you were going in the same direction. But now that you've turned, you're going west when you were going east. The struggle actually begins in many ways. And there is one who wins every time you lose the one who came to steal to cheat and destroy remember the one who came to give you life and to give it more abundantly how do we cooperate with him in this change process let's go through these quickly focus on one character defect at a time look back through your moral inventory what, what kept surfacing there? What surfaces most often? Is it your anger? Is it your need to control? Is it a sense of anxiety that you keep reacting to? Is it a fear? A fear of, of, of others if, if you're transparent with them? What, what is the issue, the trigger that keeps pushing you towards whatever problem or behavior you're trying to stop? You've heard of a dry drunk? That means that they've, they've gotten sober from the booze. But all that was driving them to the booze is still working. They're dry. But that transformation needs to be taken deeper. And it's hard to begin that kind of transformation focusing on the 50 things that came up in your moral inventory. <laughs> oh, like you didn't have several. Um, it's just me now right focus on one at a time i love what gunter gable williams uh, says about being in the ring with those with those ferocious animals do you know he actually he says if he had one tool to tame those animals when he's enclosed in the ring with those man eaters he would choose not his gun and not his whip he would choose his stool i would choose a bazooka But but, but he would choose a stool. And then he explained why the stool is is so much more powerful a tool. He says whenever those ferocious animals are are focused on you, what you want to do is get the focus off you. (laughs) And if you've got four legs on a stool coming at you, that's enough multiple places of focus that it seems to tame the focus of their fierceness. And many of us, have become pussycats when it came to recovery and transformation. Because we've been dulled by the myriad of things that, that we might see that needs to change in our life. And we think, well, where do you get started And all that? You start with one. You start with one. How do, you need an ele- how do you eat an elephant, someone said. One bite at a time is the answer. Focus on progress one day at a time. That's actually Jesus' advice. Did you know that Scripture? Jesus was the first to say to live a day at a time. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Why focus on one day? Because if you focus on many days, it'll overwhelm you. A marathoner focuses on the next 20 steps, not the next 20 miles. To do so would be overwhelming. You'd quit right then and there. Focus on one day at a time. Focus on God's power, not your willpower. As we've said last week, it's important to to come to the well. Most of us have uh, legitimate needs that are behind all this maladaptive behavior. Legitimate needs. Needs like the need for love and the need for significance and the need for security. Everybody has those needs. But somewhere along the way, we got going down a path, grooving a swing that was towards an illegitimate satisfaction of that need. The need is legitimate, but the way we've gone about meeting it is dysfunctional and disastrous. It's really illegitimate. And if we don't find ourselves working our way back to realize, okay, now what is the legitimate need here that is the air hose of my life that someone is stepping on? You know? That starts that compulsion. And if I can trace that back and and, and start to choose now a different path at that point that I'm aware of that need and especially if I'm choosing to satisfy my needs for love and significance and purpose and security with the only one who can truly meet those needs, I am so much better facing the day. Other things don't trigger those responses because those needs are already being met. Focus on God's power, not your willpower. Focus on the good things not the bad you know the number one thing that takes most of us down a rat hole that gets most of us in trouble is this simple thing and you heard it in that testimony resentment resentment you want to get a bad case of the chuckets? just think about everything you resent you'll you'll feel entitled to meet those needs in any way Focus on the good things, not the bad things. The Scripture says, think on these things. That's what is good and pure. Think on these things. It, the truth is that we always move towards that which we focus. You ever see that episode in Frasier? I'm sorry to admit that I'm actually a Frasier fan, but, but uh, I find the writing in that show just absolutely hilarious. Do you remember that time where Niles and Frasier were trying to learn how to ride bikes as grown men? And, and, and someone had told them, just don't look at the trees. And they're out in the park. And every time Fraser gets on the bike, he looks at the tree. And certainly, boom, you know, every time. We tend to move towards that which we focus on. And it doesn't even matter if that which we focus on is that which we're really trying to get free of. Uh, In the animal kingdom, a snake, I forget which kind it is, actually uses that to its benefit. It catches the gaze of a bird and hypnotizes it. And the snake doesn't even have to move. It just hypnotizes the bird. And if you watch how he handles his prey, the bird eventually just hops down the little tree, across the ground, right into the open snake's mouth. All the snake has to do is swallow. We, we, we move towards that which we focus on. I'm not going to sin. 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 I'm not going to drink. 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 I'm not going to think about sex. I'm not going to think about sex. I'm not going to... Pink elephant, pink elephant, pink elephant. And then, you know, that's exactly where we get focused. My dad taught me a long time ago, whenever I was playing golf, not to focus on the water. (laughs) And every golfer in here knows exactly what I'm talking about. Just a huge magnetic force out there for golf balls. You'll hear golfers as they approach the next hole, you know, there's a water hazard on this hole, and they go, no, there's not. <laughs> no, no, we have to hit over water. No, there's not. And then finally, the other golfer gets it. Oh, 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 okay, yeah, right, right, right. Focus on the good, not the bad. Fill your, your heart with thankfulness. Focus on doing good, not feeling good. We need to lead our heart, just follow them. Sometimes we have to do the right things to feel the right way. This is a common piece of, uh, of advice for married couples that are struggling. In order to feel what you once felt, do what you at first did. And all of a sudden your mind goes to being intentional about the date and making time for one another and focus time, you know? You used to sit across the table at Brahms and just... (laughs) And now it's difficult to put down the clicker, right? Do what you first did to feel what you first felt. It's important to do good in order to feel right about it. Here's another way that the book and the Scriptures can, can help us. Most of us from time to time struggle with ants automatic negative thoughts ants they just they just come into our heads negative thoughts and sometimes we've just learned to entertain them we don't we don't we don't we don't put up a fight we just "Hmm, that's an interesting thought i wonder if i can expand that thought and that thought starts unfolding and there you go saint john of the cross actually called them the fiery darts of the devil Little thoughts thrown in there that trigger other thoughts. And if you don't think that Satan doesn't work in this realm, you're you're, you're foolish and you're naive and you're probably a sucker for his attacks. The Scriptures actually tell us to take every thought captive. And and, and the vision there is of a guard who has somebody at, at spear point and is walking them out of the room. Take every thought captive. Your thoughts are not automatic. Your thoughts, you have control of. Some of us need to awaken the customs control agents in our head. Right? And not just accept a thought as a given. Because often it is a given. But it's not given by He who is on your side. It's important to practice those thoughts. And one of the best ways to counter those thoughts... When that thought comes in, it's real easy to thought, you know, pink elephant, pink elephant, pink elephant. You know? Is to know a scripture by heart that you can recite at that moment that derails that thought and puts something else in its place. Oh, I feel so guilty. There you go. I feel guilty. Well, that's just like you. You know how you are. And you know, the, the ants start coming. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Just say it and watch the channel change in your head. tonight at home teams or this week whenever your home team meets we're going to help each other with those kind of scriptures that that would be those that we could memorize that could be those channel changing uh agents you, you don't sit there at home you know when you're going through the clicker and you come to some show that you realize is completely out there unreasonable tainted twisted you don't, you don't you don't just sit there and watch that you change the channel change the channel internally as well do right to feel right when you when you're in a group like cr you'll you'll learn from those who have walked this path of recovery and establishing new patterns before you and man that is so helpful i was sitting in a recovery group one night and a guy talked about uh disabling the tv he was a salesman traveling salesman he talked about disabling the tv in his hotel room he said you could just call down to the desk and they they had some button they could switch down there and just turn off all the bad stuff and i thought wow no kidding just that and you're done with it and so it's become my practice whenever i'm out of town i was just out of town this last week in atlanta and I've discovered that not all those people, or at least not all the people I talk to, know where that switch is down there at the front desk. And, and so I, I've developed an even more aggressive tactic. I just asked the building manager to come up and take the power cords. You can unplug the back of the TV and the wall, and it's amazing how much rest and, and, and focus and time for study and struggle I'm just relieved of by making sure there's nothing to wrestle with. And you know, I always, I'm always, to this day, I'm still a little bit nervous when I make that call, to be honest, you know. This guy's gonna think I'm a freak, you know. <laughs> but I have yet to have a building manager come and take one of those cords that somehow in taking them didn't communicate to me that he respected what I was doing. Had one of them actually tell me one time, appreciate a man who can manage his vices. Sometimes we become more even a witness to others when we decide... that we'll do whatever it takes to change. I voluntarily submit, voluntarily submit to every change God wants me to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Now, you might not have to have somebody come get the power cords. You know, I'm not saying that's for everybody. Some, some of you may have to have them even in those nice, you know, hotel suites. Move the uh, little refreshment cart out in the hallway. I I don't know. Some may have to have the the phone unplugged. But you, you can choose to put barriers where paths could have taken you. Focus on people who help, not people who hinder. Do you know that there's people in recovery that you need to identify that you stay away from because they don't have the same sensibilities and sensitivities you do? And for them, they might be able to participate and vibe and all that kind of stuff, and it doesn't take them places they don't want to go. But often we get to those places because we've not been wise in choosing who it is we're hanging with. You know, if you hang with bees, you're going to get stung. For people who help, it's real important that once we're in recovery, that we don't isolate ourselves from those who understand the path of change that we're on. And most times, the first step that someone is making a slip or their autopilot is starting to take over is they stop associating with those that had them on that path. Isolation is often the first step. Focus on people who help, not hinder you. Focus on progress not perfection this is so 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 important those around you will often say well i thought you chose change so what's this behavior what's this compromise i thought you had chosen to change see you're just a hypocrite and that may be true but you're a hypocrite that's in the process of change And those things that are true about you are not the truth about you. And in time, as you develop patterns more consistent with the person Christ calls you to be, more consistent with who you are, and more consistent with who Christ is in you, your life will take on a new pattern. But often, it's not without some slips along the way. Some realizing, oh my gosh, I'm on autopilot again. And when that happens, some of the best advice you could ever take Is never waste a mistake. Learn from it. In groups where people understand you and can call you on your stuff and and know what it means to be in denial and can break through that in your own mind. When you can sit down with somebody else and do an autopsy, what's what we call an autopsy on a mistake and say, now where what was I thinking? It's an important question. What was I thinking? You see, most times when pilots go down having flown with autopilot, the little black box records that the mistakes, the mental mistakes that ended in that crash and burn didn't happen just before the plane blew up. It happened 10, 20, an hour earlier when the pilot started making mental mistakes and being distracted by other things rather than paying attention to his instruments. It's almost always pilot error, but it's not immediate pilot error. It's the accumulation of seemingly unimportant decisions that ends you in disaster all over again. In recovery, the aim, the focus, is progress, not perfection. If your focus is immediate perfection, when you fail, you will abort the whole change process. Stay the course. How do you make this choice? You prayerfully identify one character defect, you have a strategy for attacking it. Choose matching scriptures to memorize, make preemptive boundaries, pull the power cords if you have to, whatever is necessary in order to get a hold of the vice that God has called you to conquer. Realize alternatives, that there are life-giving alternatives that you can choose before you ever get to that place that your back's against the wall. And finally, meet with a partner regularly to share the progress. Are you ready to make that choice? Can you check that box? I voluntarily submit to every change God wants me to make in my life and humbly ask Him to remove my character defects. It was some years ago in the uh, indoor track championships of 1987, Eamon Coughlin, an Irish world record holder, He was thought to be the one that would walk away with the event. They were running their qualifying heats. And as you know, in the qualifying heats, the the idea is to be one of the top three finishers or so, so that you get into the final heat that determines the champion. And in those heats, those that are not qualified, if you're fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh on down the line, you're out. That's all you get to run. You don't get to run in the final heat. And, And so those that are champions will often pace themselves in these preliminary races. That day on March 6th, Eamon Coughlin was in one of those qualifying rounds. But two and a half laps in this indoor championship, running the 1,500 meters, two and a half laps left. He was tripped by a runner inadvertently and went down. The pack of runners went ahead of him. By yards, he jumped up quickly and had little time to close, but he closed in on the leaders. Went all the way to the front of the pack, was running with the the top two. And then in the last 20 yards, he looked over one shoulder and saw no one else with him and started to ease up. And one yard from the finish line, a runner in his blind spot that he never saw crossed the line ahead of him, and he was fourth and ineligible to continue to the championship. He had it right. He had it right. If you ever get knocked down, fail forward and fail fast, get right back in the race. But fix your eyes on the finish line. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And don't just run to the tape. Run through the tape. In this process of change, there's, there's no time ever to relax, to coast. This is in earnest. Because there are those who would take you out, your own internal autopilot will take you out unless you're committed to change, not just in one choice, but committed to make that choice again and again and again until you see him face to face and you thank him for the strength he gave you to be the champion he has now made you. God will join you in the race. But you must give your all to it. bit by bit, lap by lap, character defect by character defect. Stay in the race. Choose change and know it's a process. Let's pray.